Hi, assalamu alaikum. My name is Raqaya Rice, and welcome to season three, episode five of Breaking Barriers. Today, we'll be talking about who your role model should be as a Muslim in Islam. And have my lovely cousin, Miriam Rice, with us. Hi, assalamu alaikum. My name is Miriam Rice, and I'm a cousin, as she said. Um, I'm in ninth grade, going into high. I'm sorry, I'm in eighth grade. Going, going into high school as a freshman and I'm I just love reading books and just hanging out with friends I guess That's yeah right. freshman she's a freshman in high school and freshman in college so you know, we're both freshmen this year so yeah yeah so the reason why I wanted to talk about who should who we should be following in Islam as like our role models a lot of the times as as young Muslims, we take people who are non-Muslims, like like actors and singers and musicians and rappers. Is we shouldn't be taking them as our role models because they don't stand for and have the same values stand for as Muslims, and we as Muslims, we should be taking people who as our same values not the same thing, and who are striving for the same thing as us. at the end of the day. We're striving um, to get to Jannah for our Akhirah. And is someone who is not Muslim and who does not stand for the same values and who might be doing all these things and we want to be exactly like this person who might be doing all these haram things that we should not be doing as Muslims. Like, for example, let's say it's a musician, like this musician, be a singer like them. You shouldn't be doing that in Islam because you know music's haram. Like, we shouldn't be striving to be a musician in Islam. Or, like, there's a bunch of different things. But the bottom line is, you shouldn't be striving to be like people who are not Muslim. Like, yes, they might be successful financially and you might want to be financially successful like them that's no problem if you want to be financially successful like them but you shouldn't take them as an influence so much so that you want to be everything like them you want to live the life that they're living you want to have the personality they have you want to engage in all these acts that they're engaging in because at the end of the day they don't have the same values as you they are not muslim and they are not they don't believe in the same thing you believe in so the things and the choices and the decisions they make are based off whatever they believe in and whatever they think is right to do. But at the end of the day, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard than that because what you believe in is Islam. And the person you will have to be accountable for all your actions to at the end of the day is Allah. So you have to hold yourself to a higher standard than they do. You have to make sure that you are following Quran and then you are following like what the Prophet ﷺ taught us, and you are following Islam in the correct way. You shouldn't be following people who are not Muslim and who are doing all these things that they're doing. So with that said, we want to get into talking about some people who are good influences to follow and who we should follow in Islam because at the end of the day, we want to get to Jannah, so we should follow the examples of people who are given the glad tidings of Jannah and the examples of people who Allah um, who Allah raised their ranks in this 
who ra- who Allah will raise their ranks in the next life. So, Maryam, would you like to start us off? Sure. So, the person I wanted to talk about first is named Bilal ibn Rabah. And Bilal, his mother was, was Hamama, and she was an Abyssinian princess. His father, he was he he was an Arab, and he wasn't from Abyssinia. Um, his father is named Orabah. So his parents, they weren't both slaves, but they were taken in. But they were, ta- but they were taken as slaves during Amalfiel. So Bilal, he grew up in Mecca, and he grew up as a slave. So. Um, in Mecca, he was known for his strength, his intelligence, and it's said that he had a very handsome appearance. He was very dark, muscular, and had piercing hazel eyes. So, if you looked at his, so in Mecca at the time, the best slaves, as they said, were given to the hands of the people of the people of royal class in Mecca. So. As a slave, Bilal, he so as a, so he grew so he was a slave, and he was as they put um one of the best slaves. So eventually, he ended up in the hands of a man named Umayyah ibn Khalaf, and so Umayyah ibn Khalaf was someone who was an idol. He was an idol worshiper, like many of the people in Mecca at that time, and. Because, because he believed, yeah, so he was an idol worshiper in the time, during the time in Mecca, and Bilal was his slave. So one day, Umayyah ibn Khalaf and some of his, some of his friends we're talking about Islam. We're talking about Prophet Muhammad, wasallam, and how he was coming with this new religion, this new idea, right? And they were slandering him, wasallam. And Bilal, he heard about this. He heard what they were saying about him, wasallam. So he, even at the time, he wasn't a Muslim, and he knew nothing about he knew he knew nothing about Islam. But like so, everyone has that fitra, that inclination that just like if they hear something about their religion, like they're naturally inclined to it, right? So Bilal, he had that his his fitra inclined, like he was when he heard them talking about Prophet Muhammad sallallahu wasallam, he was when they were slandering him, he didn't he didn't allow that. He talked, he stood up for the Prophet and and he said he stood up for the Prophet when he, um and he was and he like yeah, he basically stood up for the Prophet when they were talking when they were slandering him. Uh so so when so he became um so during that time while he was there he would hear stuff about the prophet 
and how he was coming and how he was calling people to Islam. And so Bilal himself, he became he became a Muslim, but because he believed in one God, and he would say, because he believed in, in one God, Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he would torture him and push him and push him almost to death, like over and over again, and he would torture him so severely that he would almost that yeah, that he would almost die. So what they would do to him was that they would tie him up in the house and they would deprive him of food and water. So he was so, so he so they would starve him and dehydrate him. And and they would put like the the idols in his face and say, kiss the idol, worship the idol, worship Lat and worship Uzza. But even though they would put him in his face and they would humiliate him and they would spit at him and they would refer to him with the derogatory term, yeah, even as soda. And that means the son of oh the son of a black woman. And like they were saying that even though even though your father was an Arab, it, it it doesn't matter. And Bilal, he continued to say over and over again, Ahadun Ahad, one God, one God. So and be, and because of his resilience, they saw that, that he wasn't being affected by what they were doing to him. They took it to a different level and they dragged him into the desert. And Umayyah ibn Khalas, he put a he put a collar on him. And so basically now he was a man with a collar on his neck being dragged in the desert as though he was a dog, right? And they would they would drag him out in public and spit on him and humiliate him. They would torture him and whip him in front of everyone so that they would make an example of him to the other slave as to not like as to not go into Islam and follow what Bilal was doing, right? So what they did was that um, they would say, they would, they would keep on telling him to worship Lat and worship Uzza. And Bilal still continued to say, Ahadun Ahad, one God, one God. And he still wasn't like, he still wasn't appealing to, to, to their commands and following what they were like telling him to do, right? He would still say Ahadun Ahad. So now they would take a burning iron and put it on Bilal. Like imagine a iron, like like a iron going on your flesh. That like that just like sounds like a pain, right? And like they tried to kill him one time, and they would like move. Out. So basically, what they did was they told they had a lot of slaves put a big stone on his back and try to crush him right but that was the time when so when the when Abu Bakr heard that they were going to try to kill him by putting by doing that he what he did was that he went he came to Umayya ibn Khalaf and he said to him let me purchase the slave and um, and and Umayya said 10 dinars and at that time that was a lot of that was a lot right so um, even though that was a lot of money, Abu Bakr said, okay, uh, he purchased him and gave him the 10 dinars, right? So after he purchased him, Umayyah said, if you had, um, negotiated with me, I would have given you him for one dinar. And Abu Bakr replied and said, 
if you had said 100 dinars, I would, I would have purchased him anyway, right? But like, the point is, is that Bilal shows you what it means to have an unbreakable faith and have an unwavering, like, he shows you what it means to be unbreakable and what it means to have an unwavering faith. Because even though he was tortured that way so severely that he almost died, even though they starved him and dehydrated him, he still said Ahadun Ahad because that was the only thing he knew to say. He said Ahadun Ahad. He still believed in one God. No, no, no matter what they did to him, he kept saying Ahadun Ahad. He was persistent in what he was saying. And it shows us that as Muslims, we can't, like, we have to, like, not, no, no matter what people may do, or it's like, or say to us about our religion, we have to be firm in our faith because like Bilal was saying, Ahadun Ahad, but La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. We have to be strong as Muslims and strongly believe in our religion. Like it's true. And even the thing is Allah honored him through Islam. Like at this time, being black, um, not being and even currently, like modern day society being black you're still looked down upon for it you're still um discriminated against for it and at this time being non-arab and being black he was and being a slave he was discriminated for it. he was at a disadvantage in society but he came to islam and he believed in islam and allah honored him through islam allah um revealed this ayah i forgot exactly what ayah it was but basically one time the prophet sallam with these um men and they told him oh if we're meeting with you you cannot bring your um companions who are black you have to leave them behind and allah revealed this ayah to the prophet saying that um do not dishonor them by leaving them behind when they are true believers of islam basically so Allah honored him through Islam. Allah made him the first mu'adhan, the first person to call the adhan. The adhan that you hear every time in the call of salah that reminds everyone to, to come to pray. Allah gave him that honor of being the first ever person to call the adhan, being the first ever mu'adhan. Allah gave him the honor of being one of the companions. Allah gave him the honor of, of having the glad tidings of Jannah. Yeah, that's the thing that Islam does. Islam is a religion that gives you honor. It gives you integrity. It gives you something that not that no other religion will give you because it because it's the one true religion. Mm-hmm. So, can I said it better, Rachel? And even I don't want to go into the full story because if I go into the full story, it's gonna be a very <laughs> long time. Yeah. But so I'm just gonna brush like a little bit on the story but um so even there was Khalid ibn Walid right Khalid ibn Walid is someone we should look up to in Islam because before Islam he never lost a battle when he became he never lost a battle Allah honored him through Islam Khalid ibn Walid was known as Saif Allah the sword of Allah because of he would always fight for the call of Islam and he would fight for Islam he would go out there anytime they need anytime they're in a battle anytime they needed to fight anytime um the call of jihad needed to be made, he would go go and he would fight for islam he would fight for islam 
by practicing his, his religion every single day and he would fight for Islam physically. He gave his all for Islam. Like he gave his whole self for Islam. And that we should be looking up to him because Khalid bin Walid, he did not just show you that you should, he fought for Islam with his words and he fought for Islam physically. And I'm not saying all the time, oh yeah, you have to fight someone physically. But what I'm saying is, why I'm using him as an example is because he fought for people who could not fight for themselves. He protected the Muslims. He helped protect the Muslims. He helped fight for them. He helped stand up for them. He helped for them. And he protected them and Allah honored him through Islam because of it. Allah honored him by never letting him lose a battle. Allah honored him by making by calling him the sword of Allah because he would always fight in the cause of Allah. And doing something for the sake of Allah, the reward of doing something for the sake of Allah is so high. And he did that all for the sake of Allah. He did not do that for so people could know his name in this life and people could admire him and say he was this and say he was that. No, he did that all for the sake of Allah and only for Allah. Yes, Maria. What do you think Khalid Mualid? Yeah, Kaya. Yeah, like Khalid Ibn Walid is someone that, that we should all look up to because of his because of the way he just he's able to do things for the sake of Allah and like what he's able to do, like like the way he's able to like the okay the, the like how much he loves Allah, like the the way he loves his religion so much that he is that he went in that he is able to go into battle and fight in the cause of Allah. We should all admire that because it shows you something that all of us should have the ability to be able to love Allah so much that you will be able to put your life on the line for your religion. Yeah, exactly. Because to be able to put your life on the line for your religion and for the truth, because you know it is what is correct, the level of iman you have to have, it is remarkable. It really is. Yeah. So the person that I, another person that, that we should all look up to is Uwais Al-Qarni. And Uwais al-Qarni is, is, is not a Sahaba, he's a Tabi'een. He's from the um, the generation after the Sahabas. Um, so Prophet Muhammad وسلم, praised him and spoke highly of him. Uwais was a young man who grew up in Yemen and he had leprosy. His father died at a young age. And he had, so that meant he had to he had to take care of, of his mother all by himself, even though he had leprosy. So he made dua to Allah and asked Allah to cure him of his leprosy. And Allah cured him of his and Allah cured him of, of his leprosy, but he left one part of but, but he left one dinar of his um of leprosy on his shoulder. Because always he asked Allah to leave that size like of dinar of like a coin 
so that whenever he looks at it, he's able to say that Allah is the one who, who cured me and I should be grateful to Allah because Allah is the one who took away my leprosy. So, um, one time, so while he was, while he was taking care of his mother, during that time, the ambassadors came, the Muslim ambassadors came to Yemen and something very interesting happened. So while they came to, um, yeah, while they came to him, one night it was very dark and he didn't know how to get around. So, so it was just, so he didn't know how to get around, but his mother, she knew how to get around because even though she was blind, she was, no, because she was blind, she knew her way around and knew what to do, right? And the next day, Uwais went and he, and he heard the, he, he heard an ayah from the, the, he heard an ayah that the Muslims that came were, 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 were talking about. And the ayah was, it's in, it's in Surah An-Nur and the English of it is, Whoever Allah does not give light to, whoever Allah does not give light to, does not, does not have light. So that ayah touched him because when he was in the dark with his mother, he couldn't see anything. He, 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 he didn't know where to go, but his mother was there and she led him. So the reason that um, we should look up to Uwais Al-Qarni is because he's someone who was very dutiful to his mother. He was very obedient, and and it, he shows you that when you excel in the treatment of your parents, when you're dutiful to your parents, like then you can then you can be able to reach the same reward that he, the same reward that he got, and that and that um. Is that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam once said that there will come a man in the next generation. His name is Uwais al. He's and if you meet him, ask him to ask him to make do ask him to ask Allah for forgiveness for you because he is someone la aqsamu Allah. If he makes an oath to Allah, Allah will accept that oath. And that's the reward that Allah has blessed him with because of how dutiful and obe and obedient he was to his mother. And he also teaches, and, um, and even when he had a disease, he was so, he was patient and Allah granted him a cure for that disease. He also shows us that we should all strive to treat our parents with excellence and to have excellent character. Because the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "The closest to me on the day of judgment are are and the most beloved to me are those who have the best character." Yeah, and also like it shows you how important your mother is in Islam, because Jannah, as we always say, Jannah lies at the feet of your mother, and he knew that, and he treated his mother with respect. And that's a person you should look to, look up to because he shows you how to treat your parents. He shows you how to be grateful when Allah gives you, uh, when Allah tests you with something and he takes a test and he gives you ease. He shows you how to be grateful and how to continuously be grateful and how to continuously strive 
to um, be better and use the fact that Allah has healed you from whatever he has afflicted you with to continue now in worshiping him and worshiping him even more and not just stopping because you're cured of what you need to get rid of. Like, let's say someone has passed away for you or you were sick and Allah healed you. You ask Allah in that moment to be healed or you ask Allah for ease um, through what you're going through. And Allah takes that pain away. Or Allah heals you when you're sick. A lot of times people forget that it was Allah who made better and they just go back to doing whatever they were doing before and not really um, paying attention or focusing to the uh, and remember that Allah was the one who healed them from whatever they were afflicted with and Allah is the one who was there for them and they don't go back to Allah and still remember Allah even after he's given them what they want a lot of times people forget to go back to and still remember Allah even though now they've gotten what they wanted and he shows you that even though yes Allah gives you what you wanted you should still go back and you should still remember him and you should still worship um, Allah and you should still practice your religion and if not more so now that Allah has healed you and made you healthy and given you the ability. Because one of the things that we will be asked about on the day of judgment is when we were young, how we, when we had youth, how we spent our time when we had youth. And when we had free time, how did we spend our time when we had free time? And how, when we had health, how did we spell, spend our health before we were sick? Yes, that's very true. And the person I feel like you should look up to is Hamza. So Hamza was known as a lion because of his stature. And he would call people to Islam. And he was the uncle of the Prophet He was raised with the Prophet He, They both were... Um, Best by the same, um, I forgot what what you call it. Wet nurse, wet nurse, but they were by the same wet nurse. Halim, they grew up together. On it was this place on the outskirts of Mecca where like they would come get the they would get the children from Mecca and they would take them there and they would feed them and they would raise them and take care of them. So Hamza and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they were around the same age, very close in age, and. Halima breastfed um, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and she breastfed um, Hamza, and they were raised together. And they were—he was his best friend. And when he uh, started calling to Islam, Hamza was one of the first people to accept Islam. And Hamza was always there for the Prophet. Um, in the Hijrah, he went with the—he left with the Prophet. Um, in the Hijrah, he fought in the, with the Prophet in battles, and. He would always go above and beyond and out of his way to um, help the Prophet with anything he needed when it came to spreading Islam and fight for it. And the reason you should look up to Hamza is because just like I was talking about um, Khalid Ibn Walid, he shows you that you should always go out of your way for Islam. And also, he was one of the first people to accept Islam. Like, think about that. Imagine being one of the first people to accept Islam. Like, it reminds me of when the 
when the command for hijab came down and the women, they ripped what they had on and they covered their heads. Like immediately, they covered their heads, they covered their necks, they covered their chest. They immediately covered themselves in hijab. And it reminds me of that because of the fact that it's the whole idea of you hear and you obey. Like how many pe- how many of us can say we hear something and we obey? Like the moment we heard it, we obeyed. Like the moment we heard, oh, we were not supposed to do this thing that we thought we could have done. And the moment we heard it, we that's we immediately stopped what we were doing or and we immediately didn't do that thing anymore. Like how many of us can say that? Hamza is one of those people who can say as soon as he heard the Islam was a truth and Islam was the religion that you should be following, he heard and he obeyed. As soon as he heard it, he immediately accepted. And a lot of the people at this time, even some of the family members of the Prophet wasallam, they did not that at this time. When, when they heard the Prophet calling on Islam, like Abu Lahab, he did not accept Islam when the Prophet called him to Islam. But Hamza, he was one of the people in the Prophet's family and the people in general who came to Islam as soon as he heard of the call to Islam because he knew it was the truth. And Allah guides who he wills yet. And you have to, the idea of you hear and you obey, like you have to just, you know it's the truth, you believe it's the truth, so why don't you follow it like it's the truth? Why do you feel you have a choice to follow it, the truth? Or the truth? If somebody tells you the truth, why would you ignore it until one day, okay, now I decide to follow the truth? Or, and yes, it may be hard at first, and it may be difficult. Like with hijab, it's for some people, it's difficult for them to put it on. But the thing is, if you don't ever take the step to put it on, then it will just keep on getting harder and harder and harder. You just have to just put it on and go into the world and whatever the world throws at you you just stay firm on your religion and stay firm on your deen and like you have the support and like lean on your friends like have good friends that you can lean on and you can they can support you in your time of need because yes it may be hard yes it may be scary but the thing is at the end of the day it's better you do it now it's better you hear and you obey and listen to what Allah is telling you to do versus listening to what the people are telling you to do. Because you not wearing it and you not doing what Allah is telling you to do is basically you're just following what um, mankind is telling you to do. And if you follow what mankind is telling you to do and you do what mankind is telling you to do and you seek the pleasure of mankind, that's all you will seek. But if you seek the pleasure of Allah, what you will seek is something greater. You will get a greater reward. And yes, maybe you have to go through a lot in this life. You might have to go through a lot in this life and you might be tested with a lot in this life. But Allah is testing you with a lot because he loves you. Allah tests those who he loves. Allah is making you go through this because he loves you. And inshallah, Allah will bless you with something greater in the akhirah. That's what you always have to remember because you're not working for this life. You're not working to please people. You're not working for the pleasure of mankind. You're not working so you could have... Oh, the best life in the whole entire world. Like, yeah, you want a good life. And may Allah bless you with a good life. But you're not working for this life. You're working for the akhirah. You're working to strive to get to Jannah. Because that is our end goal. That's the thing that we want the most. That's eternity. This life is temporary. You have to remember, this life is short. It's, it's just a little... When we die and we are, caught, we are raised back up on the day of judgment and we are asked how long we spent in this life, we will say it was like a fleeting moment. We don't even remember. It was so fast. 
And Jannah is eternity. Like the Akhirah is eternity. So you want to strive to, you don't even want to spend a little bit of time in Jahannam just because you did not listen to what Allah said. You don't want to spend a little bit of time. You don't want to have to pay for anything. You just want to go to Jannah right away and spend all of your eternity in Jannah and be happy and like eternal and like, you know, experiencing eternal bliss, you know? But yeah, that's that thing you want that you should be striving for. And Hamza is one of those people who can say the moment he heard the call of Allah, the moment he heard the religion, and the moment he heard the haq, he accepted it and he believed it and he accepted it in his heart and he became Muslim. And to say that you did that the moment Allah told you, or not Allah told you, but the moment you heard that this was true and you should follow it, that you accepted it and you believed it. That's a, a big thing to be able to say. Not everybody can say that. The moment they heard this, they knew it was true and they accepted it. Because a lot of times people struggle with even like habits that we have, like small habits we have and small things that we do in life that we shouldn't be doing. A lot of times people have a hard time giving up that thing. Like even smoking, drinking. Like we always talk about that because this is something that's affecting the ummah a lot. This is something that's affecting Muslims a lot. Smoking, drinking, it's affecting Muslims a lot. And a lot of times people try to give it up and it's very hard for them. But some people, they have, like, Allah has blessed them with the gift that as soon as they heard that they couldn't do it or as soon as they heard that it was haram and they shouldn't be doing it, they stopped immediately and they never felt the urge or the want or the need to go back to it. Yeah, I, I really agree with you. And in the Quran, it says, we hear and we obey. So that tells us that as Muslims, whenever we hear a command from Allah, right away we have to go and obey because it's Allah, Rabbul Alameen, commanding us to do this. So why are we not doing it? It's like some people, like, yes, like what you said, sometimes it may be hard to do something. But if we don't put that first step out there and do it, then when are we going to be able to do it? Like, we have to say Bismillah and do, and do whatever it is. Yeah, because if the longer you wait, the harder it gets. Like with everything, when your mom tells you to do the dishes, or when your mom tells you to clean the house, the longer you wait to do it, the harder it is to do. Because you eventually, okay, your mom says you do dishes. It's late at night. Your mom says you do the dishes before you go to bed. Now you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. You get sleep, you get tired, you fall asleep, you forget to do the dishes. Then the morning shows they do dishes. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And you go on your phone, you watch TV, you do all this stuff, you procrastinate, 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 and you forget. You forget to do it. And that's the thing. Like, you can't be forgetting things this important. Like, you should respect your mom, and you shouldn't be forgetting those things. You should be doing that. And I'm not saying I don't forget myself. Like, I'm obviously not the best of people. I'm not perfect. We all forget. We all make mistakes. But especially when it's Allah telling you to do something, you should go right away and do that thing. You shouldn't wait and take your time and go with it like in a in a manner where you don't actually really want to do it, but you're gonna do it. Like you should do it because Allah told you to do it and you want to please Allah. Because at the end of the day, Allah should be the only one you want to be pleasing in this life. He's the one who created you. Like that. Without Allah, you would not be alive. So you should be trying to give everything that you have 
and do everything that you do for the sake of Allah. Because without Allah, because Allah can at any moment say, okay, it's time for you, it's time for him to take the soul, your soul out of your, bo- your body. Yeah, Kai, I completely agree with you and what you're saying. So, um, the next person I want to talk about was Zubayr ibn Awam. Zubayr ibn Awam, his father was, his his father was, Awam. His father was, Awam ibn Khuwailid, and his mother was Safiya bint Ab- bint Abdul Muttalib, and she was and she was the aunt of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So, so as Zubair ibn Awam, he's someone who accepted Islam at a very young age when he was only twelve years old. So his father, his father died when he was young. So, so his uncle, his uncle Nawfal ibn Khuwaylid, was someone who had to step in and take care of him. So, since his father passed away, his uncle now was caring for him, and his uncle. Since when he was young, um, Zubair ibn Awam, he heard the call of Islam and he accepted it right away. So because because he accepted Islam right away and he was still in the household of his uncle, his uncle took advantage of that and he would and he would torture Zubair so severely at, when he was only twelve years old. He would wrap him up in a mat every day and would suffocate him with smoke. And every single night, the people of Mecca could hear the screams of Zubayr, a 12-year-old being tortured so severely. And the prosecution of a 20- or 30-year-old, like, when we're, t- when we're talking about that, it's different. The, the, it's different from hearing about it when, when, it's, a tw- when it's a 12-year-old. 20 yeah. or 30, like, they're old enough. Like, not old enough, but, like, it just it's different it's a 12 year old being tortured so severely so um even though like many other people companions at the time zubay when he even though he was tortured so severely he still believed in, in islam and he had a firm faith in his religion he had a firm belief in his religion and one time he heard that that, that prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was being attacked so he went right away to he went and he got a spear to fight the person who was attacking prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and when he went there prophet muhammad said sallallahu alaihi wasallam uh what are you doing and and he um zubay said i came because i heard someone was attacking you so zubay prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that, that 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 there's no one attacking me but if there was, what would you do? And Zubayr said, "I would, I would have, I would have struck him with my sword, Ya Rasulullah." And so, and so, like that shows us that as a young boy, how how much he loved the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and how much that like he had the courage to be able to go pick up a sword and was ready to fight for the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam at only 12 years old he was one of those kids who had who showed the special qualities of courage and bravery and one in and one time it was um in the battle of badr yeah um zubaydi he earned a, a special title during that battle 
So during the Battle of Badr, there was only two horsemen. Um, on for the Muslim, there was only two horsemen, but for the Quraysh, they had three hundred horsemen. And as Zubair was one of those, was one of the horsemen of the two for the Muslims. So one thing about Zubair was that he once learned a special talent where he was able to fight with two swords while controlling the horse with his legs. And on that day, on the day on the Battle of Badr, he wore a yellow turban. And that's significant because, because you, um, because um, he fought so bravely that Allah honored him with something that no other human being has ever been honored with before. And when Allah says that that on the day of Badr, he sent 3,000 angels, those angels, he sent them, those angels fought alongside the Muslims. And Allah sent those, and Allah sent those angels all imitating and following as Zubayd. They all had yellow turbans with them. So Prophet Muhammad tells us this, tell, told us that those angels that were fighting alongside with us were all wearing were all wearing yellow turbans just as as Zubaid was. Uh -huh. So it shows us that the the courage that Zubaid had, he it wasn't from pride or arrogance, but the pride in Allah. He loved Allah so much that he was able to go without he was able to go and fight in the battle of Allah, even though they were outnumbered, he still believed in the, He still believed in Allah. He was, he was confident and had trust in Allah that I, that that they were going to that they would succeed and that they would win this. So, um, Zubair shows us that we need to be able to have pride in our religion and that we should never be embarrassed or feel humiliated or awkward because of our religion. Because like I said before, Islam is a religion that gives us honor and it, it gives us something that no other religion or no other action will give you. If you truly believe in Allah and have the unwavering faith of La ilaha illallah, Allah will bless you and honor you in so many ways that this life cannot give you. It's so true because the thing is with being Muslim you are honored not only like you are honored in this life you are honored in the next life you are honored because you are you are like different than everyone else yes but the thing is Islam started as something strange and it will go back to being something strange it should be the best stranger that you can possibly be in this life because Islam will honor you through giving you like you keeps you from doing so much haram in this life and that's why it honors you in this life because it keeps you from doing so much haram and it keeps you following like the correct path and it like everything that islam forbids you from doing and it gives you it tells you you should not do like eating pork or men wearing not wearing gold and not wearing silk and um not drinking alcohol not using drugs like all those things that Islam tells you to do it's as a benefit to you it's not as a harm to you those things are, are benefiting you and that's how it's honoring you in this life because 
there's so many people who have substance abuse from drinking alcohol. When you drink alcohol, it uh, messes up your mind. You can't think straight. Do you know how many people accidentally murder people because they drank alcohol? Drunk drivers hitting people on the road. Like, all this stuff. Even the other day, my own, my own brother's friend was hit by a drunk driver in the car. Like, because the thing is, and Islam tells you not to drink for a reason. Because it messes with your brain. It messes with the chemicals in your brain, your mind. Drugs does the same thing. The amount of times people do things while they're on drugs they didn't mean to do. And um, men wearing gold, there was a study that recently came out about when men wear gold, um, it makes a lot of them sterile, infertile, so they can't have kids. Like these things, even eating pork, pork is haram. Allah says pork is haram for a reason. The amount of um, parasites and infections and bacteria you can get from eating pork, the tapeworms inside of pork, if that goes inside you and and you eat that and that's in your body, living in your body, it'll eat your insides. Like all these things Allah tells you not to do, he tells you not to do for a reason. And Islam honors you by protecting you from those things and protecting you from falling into those things by telling you from the beginning not to do them. But yeah, Miriam, I completely agree with you. Like, Islam honored um, Zubair. And Islam honors so many people. Like, all these people that we're talking about, Islam has honored them in many, many different ways. And one of the other people I want to talk about who Islam honored was Khadija. So Khadija was the wife of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And her story is very long, very extensive, so I'm not going to tell the whole story. But Khadija, I'm going to tell part of her story. When the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, have the revelation um in the mount in mount hira and he saw angel jibrail for the first time he ran down the mountain and he was so scared because this man who he was dreaming about for so long had appeared to him in real life and jibrail told him with a booming voice ikra and the way jibrail grabbed onto him when he said ikra and the message went into the Prophet's heart. It scared him. It terrified him. And it was very hard for the Prophet to receive revelation. Like it was hard on his body when he received revelation. And him seeing this man who was in his dream, he'd never seen in his life before. He's only seeing him in his dreams, like appeared to him in real life. It terrified him. So he ran down the mountain so fast. And he ran back into his house. And he went to Khadija. And he was like, Zamiruni, Zamiruni, hold me, hold me. And he didn't say nothing else except for that. And Khadija held him. And when Khadija held him, he after he stopped shaking and after he calmed down, like after a little while he calmed down, he told Khadija what had happened to him, and Khadija said, and he, she was like, "I'm wor-, He was like, "I'm worried for myself. Am I losing my mind?" Khadija said, "Oh, you are not using losing your mind. Allah will not dishonor you." And Khadija reassured him that he was okay and he was going to be fine. And then when he um gave the message of islam when he first was giving like the the message of islam and khadija was the first person to accept islam when he, when um prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam received his second revelation from jibrail saying oh you who is wrapped up stand up and warn in surah madhammin and he ran back to khadija too because out he literally jibrail with six an angel with 600 wings right, appeared to him in the sky, covering the whole entire horizon. Like, imagine seeing that. Mountains don't even cover the whole entire horizon. 
So he is bigger than a mountain. A mountain doesn't even cover the whole horizon. So he sees this angel appear to him, covering the whole entire horizon. 600 wings, jewels from his wings, an emerald green-like color. He's never You've never seen anything like this before. Like, the human mind cannot possibly... So now he's seeing this in front of him. And he's so, like, shocked. And he's in, like, he's in pure shock. So now he goes, he runs back to Khadija, and he's like, Zamiruni, Zamiruni, hold me, hold me. And Khadija just holds him. And she sits with him. Until the Prophet, sallallahu comes down. And in that moment, he received the revelation of Surah Muzammil. Um... He received that revelation in that moment. And oh, you who is wrapped up, stand up and warn. And he stood up and he he first called Khadija to Islam. And Khadija accepted Islam. Khadija being the first person to accept Islam. She was the first ever person. Like nobody else was before her. Nobody else was first before Khadija. Khadija was the first person to accept Islam. Khadija would pray with the Prophet وسلم, um, stand in the night and pray with him um, through his night prayers and pray tahajjud with him and pray qiyam with him, stand in the night and pray with him. And the Prophet وسلم, Khadija was his support. Khadija was there for him through every single thing. Even to the point where in the boycott. Khadija, she was not in the boycotts. Like, she was not from the tribes that were being boycotted at this time, but she went with the Prophet loved the Prophet so much. So, she was with him in the boycotts, and she had her nephew Hakim um, sneak in food for the people so she could feed the people. But Khadija was always giving to people. Before Islam, she was always known as the person who you could come to if you needed anything. She would pay for people's weddings. She would give food to them. She would give, she would give everything she could give for them. And even in the boycotts, she was with the Prophet ﷺ. She had her cousin sneak in food to help feed the people. And she wouldn't even eat the food that he snuck in for them. She would grass. Even in the hadith that's narrated the companion day that we were eating the trees and the leaves. We were eating the trees the leaves of the trees and the grass so much so that our waist started to, to look like the waist of the animals. And Khadija was old, like an old woman at this time. She was 65 years old. Like, she, was, she wasn't as strong as she was when she was younger. But she still did everything she could to support the Prophet ﷺ in the spread of his message. So much so that even when she died, even when she was going to die, it was around her time of her death. The Jibra'il came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Oh, send salam for send salam from Allah. Allah sent salam to Khadija. And I send and give Khadija my salam. The Prophet ﷺ gave Khadija salam from Allah. He gave him salam. And Khadija responded, Allah is salam and wa alaykum is salam to Jibra'il and as-salam wa alaykum to the Prophet And he also gave her glad tidings of a house made of pearls in Jannah. And the reason why Allah gave her a house made of pearls in Jannah is because Khadija gave away all her pearls to support the Prophet in the spread of the message of Islam. So she had no more pearls left. She had no more jewelry left. She gave away all of it to support the Prophet 
So now that she has none of this left, the Allah made her house out of the best materials in Jannah. And he gave her the glad tidings of Jannah before she passed away. And he said he made it out of pearls, a house for her made fully out of pearls. Like imagine a house fully made out of pearls. Like that, imagine how beautiful that must look. And she said there will be no exhaustion or fatigue in your house. There will be only peace because you made your house in this life peace for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and you made your house in this life a comfort for the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the thing is Khadija, she also teaches you how to treat people because she would give in abundance. She would give people anytime they needed anything. Her house, it said that they had a silk, a yellow silk on top of the roof of her house. And it was so that people could would know when they see that yellow silk on the roof of a house that's a house they could come to anytime they were in need of anything. And Khadija, she would always give to people and she would always give for the sake of Allah. And that's something like we should do and we should look up to her and we should aspire to be like, because Khadija, she treated people they want the way you should be. You, you treat people the way you want to be treated. Like if you were in a situation, you would want help. You would want someone to help you. And Khadija was that help for them. Like even my mom is always saying, Dusana likes her. Basically, what that means is like you, if you don't like something, don't do it to somebody else, right? And right, I don't know if your mom says this too, but I always says this all the time, right? Like, anytime we do something to each other and someone and we're arguing, she's like, do something I like so, like, don't do something that if somebody doesn't like you doing it, you don't do it. You do things that people like, you do things that what people will appreciate, and that's the thing Islam teaches us. Islam the way you want to be treated and Khadija she treated people the way she wanted to be treated and she as Allah honored her through Islam she had everything before Islam she had all the riches all the wealth and then after Islam came she didn't have her status anymore she didn't have as much riches as she had before like her life became it wasn't as great as it was but she never complained when even Allah would send angels in the form of people to ask them how um, like how things were going in their life. So one time, Angel Jibra'il came to Khadija in the form of a man, and he asked her, how is things like going on? What's happening in your life? Like, how is things in your life? And this was the time of the boycotts, and this was the time that they didn't have food to eat in Khadija. All she had was good to say. She was like, alhamdulillah for Islam what's called alhamdulillah for the prophet all she had was praise to say for about the prophet and all she had was good things to say about islam and good to say good things to say about um this religion and she only praised the prophet she did not complain she never complained that's another thing like it teaches you don't complain like about simple things have patience khadija she had patience and she had will and she had perseverance and she had strength and another thing is like i was saying a lot of people they want to be successful like business people and stuff like that. Khadija, she was a successful businesswoman. Like, there's so many people in Islam who did so many things. Like Khadija, she was a su successful businesswoman at a time where not many women were like out there in the workforce doing business and stuff like that. And even now, it's hard for women to get. It's a lot of times it's hard for women to get employment. But Khadija, she had her own business. She was running her own business. She was a businesswoman. Like she was a girl boss. <laughs> she was like she was out here making money and we should look up to Khadija we want to be successful in this life and in the next life we want to have money look up to Khadija look up to how Khadija did her like look at how Khadija did business how she was honest and she had integrity 
when she was doing business. Look at how she strived for the cause of Allah. And she gave everything for the cause of Allah. So Allah honored her. And by giving her the glad tidings of Jannah and giving her a house even better than the house she had in this life. And what's it called? She is one of the, she's one of the, um, I forgot, I was four women or four women, the four women of Jannah. Yeah. One of our mothers in Islam. Like Allah has honored Khadija in so many ways. So we should be looking up to her in Islam, not all these other people who are successful by doing whatever they're doing. Like Khadija, she was honest in business. Everything that she did, she did it for the sake of Allah, even before Islam. Khadija, she was known as Tahira, the pure one. Because she was she was pure, her character. Like the women at this time, they were not pure. Like the things that they were doing, they would go out any kind of how like wearing whatever they want, doing whatever they want, acting any type of way. But Khadija, no, she was not known for that. She was known, she was known for her purity. So they nicknamed her Tahira, the pure one. And that's another thing that we should, in Islam, we should not, we should do exactly like how Khadija was known as the pure one. That's what we want to be known as. Like Islam, it gives us honor. It covers us up. It keeps us pure. And we should aim to be like Khadija, Tahira, to be known for being pure, to be known for having cleanliness, to be known for not engaging in all the haram things that society might be, everybody in society might be doing. We should be staying away from so we can keep ourselves pure and keep ourselves on the truth and not fall into zina or not fall into any type of haram. Like we want to stay away from that. And we should strive to stay away from that. Like Khadija did. Even before Islam, she tried, she strived to stay away from things that were, because you, you have a natural fitra. Like you said earlier in the episode, you have a natural fitra. You have a natural inc inclination to do good. And Khadija, before Islam, she had a natural inclination to do good and to stay away from things that were not good for her. And we should have, we should be fighting because we all have that natural inclination. Like, if you want to know something, if something is bad or good for you, you you consult your heart first. Like, because whatever wavers in the breast, you know you shouldn't be doing it. That's why Prophet Sallallahu said, if you want to know something is good or bad for you, you consult your heart first. Because your heart will tell you. Everybody has that natural fitrah that will tell them if they should not be doing something or if they should be doing something or if that thing will be bad for them. The thing is, when it comes to consulting your heart, your heart, you have to keep it clean. You have to keep your heart pure because your heart is like, it can get dirty. Because the more haram you do, the more bad things you do, your heart, the more your heart gets dirty and the more it gets not as clean as it used to be, right? It's like, and when you consult your heart on these things now, on matters where you should be consulting your heart on, sometimes you can't really, you're not really sure if it's you shouldn't be doing it or not and if you're not really sure then don't do it at all because like it's better to be safe than sorry but like you your heart sometimes becomes so dirty that now to, it's to the point where you're not really sure if you should be doing this thing or not doing this thing because of the fact that you didn't keep your heart clean you didn't keep your heart pure so you should always strive to keep your heart clean and strive to keep your heart pure so when you have to consult your heart 
you'll know for sure if you're doing the right thing or if you're doing the wrong thing. Because it's like being nose blind. Like we've all seen the Febreze commercial. I, I think we've all seen the Febreze commercial. I've seen that a lot of times. But basically, in the commercial, the boy, he's in his room and his mom comes and his mom smells his room. And it's like such a disgusting smell. But like he's gotten used to it so much, this dirty smell, that it doesn't even smell bad to him. Because it's just he's gotten used to it so much that it doesn't even like smell bad to him. It doesn't even see it feel like wrong to him. But it feels wrong to his mom from who's coming in from the outside who's not used to the smell smelling it. It's the same thing with your heart. If you keep on doing all these haram things, you're going to get so used to it and you're going to think it's normal. And it's going to become like normalized to you that you're not going to even be able to see the wrong in it anymore. And that's so scary. So you always have to keep your heart pure. You always have to keep your heart clean. So when you have to consult your heart, you are able to do so. And this episode, this going to be, well, this, it was originally going to be one, but since it's really long, we're going to make it into two episodes, inshallah. So thank you for listening to this episode of Breaking Barriers. My name is Raqayya Wright, and I can't wait to keep the conversation going.